Welcome again to Permaculture Tonight. We have Troy and Pilar Martz tonight. They're going to be talking to us about unschooling, permaculture, and gasification. And a little bit about going into business yourself and not doing what everyone else is doing. So how did you, how did you as a couple arrive at the idea of unschooling? Well, it's been a process. It's been, we started uh, homeschooling a few years ago when Sophia, who is nine and should be in third grade, uh, was going to start kindergarten. So we uh, had moved to Temecula and we were renting eight acres in Temecula. And they had a school that was a charter school that had a homeschooling program. So we we enrolled the girls in that homeschooling program where twice a week they would have like activities like art class and things like that and the rest would, you know, I would be the one homeschooling them. We had a, a an educator that would come once a week to look at their progress and make sure that everything was in order. I was taking some classes on how to homeschool. And with that, um, just, you know, for me, it was very hard as a mom to separate the being the teacher part and then being the mom part at home. And I didn't want my girls to dread either of them, <laughs> their mom or the classes. So, um, we stopped homeschooling when we moved back to Mexico. We were in transition before we moved to uh, Puerto Vallarta. And I enrolled them in a traditional uh, private school in Mexico. And and then we made the decision that once we were here in Puerto Vallarta, we were going to be fully unschooling our kids. And it's not it hasn't been easy, Matt, because we come from a schooling programming. Oh, yeah. We've both gone to school, you know, I, for me as a, as the oldest in my family, you know, school was very important and, and my grades mattered to my parents and, you know, trying to get scholarships to make it easier on my parents, you know, because we, I always went to private schools to try and ease that burden and, and the stress of having to keep grades up and so I didn't want that for my children. I, um, we are in the process of transitioning our lives are changing um, you know every day the path that we're choosing is very foreign to everybody else and and we're just trying to embrace the changes I think for us the flexibility of unschool and the possibility of being able to travel and have the kids learn through this process has been a great motivator but it's hard to break from that oh my gosh, they just played today, you know? <laughs> they just had fun today. Where is the learning in that? And, and having to st take a step back and go, well, you know, they are learning skills even with play. So, which is one of the things that I particularly love about this. I do too. I think that I was watching this video that I perhaps watched because you shared on unschooling with permaculture uh, where Andre Stern talks about the idea that when he was free to learn he 
he grasps things at his own rate, and when he grasps them, he grasps them rapidly. Yes. And, and um, I mean, he was never schooled, and so that's kind of a unique case. And yes. I'm doing that with our, our second son. We're we're not we're not learning the ABC song, but he's learning letters. He's asking yeah. questions and writing things down, and asking us to read the things he writes down. He wants to know how to write his name, and so we've shown him, and he just copies, and he thinks about it, and asks, you know, and so it becomes this path of inquiry, mm-hmm. instead of, instead of this uh, dictation that you're just having to remember all the parts of, to be educated. <laughs> I know that that video, for me, was eye-opening. Um, Troy still was struggling with it. But they're not learning anything part. And when we saw that video, when I shared it with him, he was totally convinced. It just made so much sense. Harnessing the passion that a child already has, you know, fostering that passion to the things that he's interested in. And he will thrive, you know. Sit him down on a chair and say, don't move, be quiet, repeat what I say. Just kind of kills that. And, and I... I see it like my middle child, she's more active. She's a kid that cannot be, you know, you cannot sit her down for 10 minutes to try and teach her something. It's She moves and, and she's passionate about animals and she wants to learn those things. So uh, it just struck a chord to me, to the, you know, the very, very core of me that just, it just made sense. And the way he explained it was just everything he said resonated in some area of me. So I, I really liked that interview. I'm glad you liked it too. Yeah, I thought it was fabulous. It really it really gave me confidence. And I feel like the word on school, immediately because it's a negation, it's a yeah. negative thing, uh, just polarity-wise, right? Um, yeah. People have a negative connotation and they're like, oh, what do you have against school? And it's yeah. like, we are look trying to look beyond the system that has produced a broken society that has produced all this waste and also famine you know that's the the, the crazy thing about our society is so poorly designed and we have these systems and we and half the time no one knows why we have these systems exactly i, I mean, just it's- I, I just wonder, because, I mean, for my, in our situation, James wants to go to public school just to hang out with the kids. And he's like, yeah, I can fake and I can pretend and I can like, you know, he's like, I don't really care about the grades. I know you don't care about the grades, but I want to just go like meet them and like tell them things. And it's, and it's, it's hard because he just wants to social, be social with everyone and sneak in and sneak out. <laughs> but it's just. It's like a, like a gigantic mill, and they'll just get ground up, I feel like. That, that is my fear. Um, there's, you know, those stories where a child goes to school and the teacher asks them to paint a flower, but she shows them exactly what the flower should look like. And this child does it with his own creativity, and the teacher says, no, 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 this is the way you should do it, you know? And then there's a point where he gets older, and they... He goes to art class and the teacher says, please paint me a flower. And instead of 
you know, harnessing his own creativity, he ends up painting the flower that was taught to him when he was a little kid because everything was just, I don't know, crushed in a way. I don't want that for my kids. I, I don't want the sense of wonder and, and to be crushed or to be uh, erased from their lives. I, I, I want them to look at everything and see the possibilities. Uh, having women or little girls, you know, future women, I want to have them feel empowered in everything that they do and it's a big responsibility as a parent. You're taking your own, you're bringing your children, you're raising them the way you want, you're not relying on someone else's um, curriculum or criteria of how they should be raised and you know, to some people, we might be the odd men out or the black sheep, but I think that with love, with respect, and just allowing them to be and and share and and learn and create, I think we would we're on the right track with that. They're happy kids. Okay. Well, that's the that's like for me. That's if they're happy and they're active, then that's all that really matters is they're thriving i mean as they're as they're as they're growing up i I mean for me that's the evidence of them thriving so so but but i do feel more on the side that we have to create habitat so it's like i have curriculum it's sneaky like ninja curriculum that they don't realize you know And I and so Troy, I mean, do you do you feel that way where you're like, I don't want to let you knock your teeth in doing that. I want to tell you and teach you before you hurt yourself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a, I have a bunch of little sneaky ninja tricks too, yes. and you know, I know one of the ones recently. It's I mean, this is a little bit nerdy, but it's the lesson of surface area, and. Uh, I mean, my daughters are, you know, five, nine, and ten, and their knowledge of surface area is probably because I brought it up four or five times, like when I'm mixing compost, I'm like, we want these small little bits, right? Because more surface area is more what? And, uh, you know, Sophie goes, more bacteria. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, and other stuff too, and so it's that, it's um, uh, surface area when you're cooking, and so it's more like theme-based for me other than like a necessarily a trap, a learning trap where, oh, well, that happened. Why do you think that happened? <laughs> so I'm still being proactive, but it's, it's more of like um, thematically based, and when there's a situation where it's appropriate, I'll bring it up. And if, they, if their eyes glaze over, um, you know, so be it. It's an exercise in me talking. But, um, but for the most part, I think they, uh, they understand and respect um, those moments where, where either Keely or myself will stop being passive and letting them, you know, because I'm I, the way I look at it is okay. Here's a here's a teaching moment, and those don't always happen. And uh, I kind of feel like when there's a moment where they're actually proactively asking you for guidance or, Daddy, why is this? Daddy, why is that? Um, that's the moment that you can step into the role of like a teacher, and yeah. you're not fighting with them like Peely alluded to earlier. Right, I completely agree with that. 
I think the number one myth of unschooling is that parents are checked out. And I think it's the exact complete polar opposite where parents are having to be intensively aware and involved with their kids and, and in their kids' environment. So it's like the home environment is a plastic environment in which we, we manipulate it to provide for our children habitat in which they can thrive. And every child is different and unique and so we have no idea what they really deserve, we get these like unique little packages and we have to coax out of them what they need. And so I feel like unschooling, as you, as you are defining it, um, is the only way to really grasp that and actually get what we want, which is uh, someone who's a complete whole person that's free. Mm-hmm. A self-thinker. Right. So so your youngest is how old again? Well, next She's, five. She's five. Okay, I have a four-year-old boy. So has she been to any schooling at all? She had two months of school last year. A small, like, kindergarten. Right. But that was, that was it. I mean, where she... She went to school in the mornings, and I would pick her up like at 11, 11.30. Okay. So it was more like camp almost, you know, yes. at that point. So she is probably going to be the, like, the ultimate, like, Andre Stern experiment, right, in your family, because that's what we have with Oliver. James, I mean, James has been in and out of systematic education, because we just let them, well, we give them the choice. I mean, that's, I feel like the spirit of unschooling. And it's like, okay, you want to go in? Two minutes later, he wants to come out. It's like, okay, you know, how was that? Let's reflect on that. You know, why was it like that? Let's watch some, some you know, YouTube videos. You yeah. Know. Absolutely. It's, it's hard. Um, if my children would want to go to school, if they said, Mom, I want to go to school, I would absolutely allow them to do that. That's the thing, unschooling allows, there's more communication from what they need, what they want. There's that trust that their best interest is at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a, such a sacred trust. And I feel like so many families have no idea of that power. Absolutely. There's no fear. Um, you know, one of them wanted to study guitar. So we bought the guitar. We started going, taking her to her classes. It was a very easy system to learn, and that this is my oldest, Andrea. She's she's a ten, and she was nine at the moment. And one afternoon, she said to me, "Mom, like I don't want to disappoint you, but or Daddy, he bought me the guitar, but it's something that I really I like music, I like guitar, but it's not something I want to learn." And then I said, "Okay, what is it that you want to learn?" What is, and she's like, I'm passionate about art, right? So what, what I did, because art class for children, the teacher was no longer teaching, I had to go to the adults teacher at the cultural center here in Tijuana, and I said, hey, is there a spot for my daughter here? And, and he was like adamant that he didn't work with children. That children were rowdy, and they would ask questions, and that he wanted quiet, and it was a three-hour class. So I convince them to give her a two-week, you know, trial, and after two weeks, he said, she's staying, 
you know, because she showed that she had the maturity to stay in a class where maybe she couldn't be rowdy and she loved what she was learning, what he was teaching and, and she started seeing things differently based on what he was teaching in regards to face and shapes and forms. So I think uh, that gave her the, you know, knowing that we had her back, even though she decided to drop something that initially she was excited about. So right. I think I think this is one of the things that as a parent, unschooling parent, you, it's it's not worth the fight if the child's heart is not into it. You know, it's it's better to to harness that that will in what they are passionate about. So she loves art now. And it's also interesting how. Th- <laughs> With, with unschooling, it's interesting because at the same time, we preserve the innocence of childhood, but we make, somehow the children are more mature. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bizarre because everyone expects the opposite to happen, um, but you get this sweetness that's aligned with intelligence, so yeah, you have this you know, ethical child emerge. And it's because there's choice and, you know, and you talk about consequences and there's, I think it's like part of it is the presence. We talked about this with Jeff Lawton this week and with Kai Sawyer, uh, this idea of being present and how that is kind of like the greatest honor you can give someone is being present. And I think perhaps that's what we learn most and we learn most from our parents so, and we learn easiest from our parents because, I mean, they've proven this with, with uh, the mirror neurons, uh, the, the, the studies that they've done on mirror neurons recently. So I, I totally believe in it and I feel like we need models going forward where we have parent and, and, and student testimonials. And that, that's the thing, it's not even student, it's like... Um, adventure like life adventure you know um, uh-huh. i i, I want to like document these these children because they are the, they are going to be the future leaders and they are the future models because we are going to set all these other kids free <laughs> with our kids examples yeah i definitely feel it's 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 early on um just like with permaculture just like with this whole holistic thinking and holistic planning, unschooling to me is kind of in the same package where like, well, wasn't this a great idea? Where has this been hiding all this time? And why didn't we ever bring that up as a choice before uh, for various reasons? But, but getting back to what you said previously about sort of maintaining their innocence, but they're wise beyond their years. Um, I've noticed that with my own kids, and sometimes I, I say to myself, well, am I just a biased dad who <laughs> loves his girls and thinks they're super smart, and or does it really happen? And they all have three distinct personalities, but um, we've heard of a number of comments from a number of people um, that have even stayed down here, like, well, your girls are just so well acclimated to conversation, and um, so that's kind of neat. I mean, I, me, I personally had to be convinced like like Peely said mm-hmm. I, I got homeschooling okay it's regimented they're learning the same thing but it's at home okay um, I buy it okay that's good and, and it worked for us 
when we were in Southern California and was going to work again when we got here. But after we moved to Puerto Vallarta, Keely kept talking about this thing called unschooling. Oh, what is that? What is unschooling? What does that mean? And, and she showed me a few videos and yeah, the Andrew Stern one just really, really rang a bell with me. And the reason it did is because I went through school. I, I, I was fortunate enough to get a, co- a college scholarship for sports. And I know that I've learned more in the past five years than in all of my schooling because it was passion-driven. And I'm talking about soil and bacteria and fungi, protozoa, nematodes, Jeff Lawton videos, weather, you know, <laughs> morphology of, of, of yeah, I mean, just all that stuff. And then, of course, gasification, we're getting into chemistry and stuff. But because I was passionate about it and dove into it, um, the learning came quick and easy far more than any class I ever took because I had to go as part of the curriculum. So I, I knew from my own self that this works. And so when I saw the Andrew Stern video and a couple others, Dana Martin, and there's some other people out there that have had impressive videos to give us the courage to, to go try this. And there's no playbook, just like you said, Matt, there's, there's a couple of books written in the seventies and there's sort of this reemergence, I think lately, but it, Man, if you think permaculture's, um, you know, just burgeoning out of this kind of hidden spectrum, homeschooling's even smaller, or excuse me, unschooling's even smaller, I find. So there is no playbook, and you just have to trust the direction you're heading as a family, and we totally believe in, you know, what we're doing. I mean, that's one thing that we found, um, you know, with our PDC and stuff is like, man, this feels, it's just so logical, it feels right, it almost kind of gave us purpose beyond you know trying to make a bunch of money and live in a nice house and go on vacations but never really having that real connection with nature and um so because we believe in the direction the homeschooling kind of follows suit excuse me the unschooling i'm still still used to saying homeschooling Hmm. so that's kind of my perspective awesome so uh, did the did the change into unschooling happen as the gasification thing took off is that were they Twin leaps of faith? No. <laughs> no, I mean... Go ahead, if you want to... Go ahead, Peely, if you want to chime in. Okay. Well, this has been, you know, six... No, it's more now. Wow, it's almost nine years of of looking at the world differently and, and really looking at what our purpose is in, on this earth and these changes that we've... You know, we started as a family before we we had kids, and then having kids gives you you have an engine. You know, as a couple oh, years, yeah. you have you have something that moves you. But when you have children, you really have everything's in place. The gears are there, and and it's just okay. What direction am I gonna take my family where my kids can thrive? So before, you know, I studied architecture, and I love. I still love concrete steel and glass and those modern buildings and I wanted to live in a loft but when we started having kids it's like you want the backyard for them or you want the garden for them you want flowers you have want them to have a space and and all of that transition to what we're trying to do right now you know moving again down to Mexico and trying to find our future farmland so we can grow food and 
through all these things, but but our children have been that that force. And at the same time, parallel to to our children driving us, it's the reliance part of what a family needs to be. You know, self reliant, and and that is the engine that drove Troy thinking, okay. We, we're learning how to preserve our food, we're learning how to grow our food, we're learning all these skills. What else do we need to supplement that? And one of that was energy, and that just took off with him. Wow. It was just lift off from there <laughs> to now, you know? Well, I mean, how it really unfolded is I was sitting in front of the TV years ago, I don't know, like five or six years ago, and I saw somebody driving their truck around on wood and I'm like what like you can do that and it was more of this fascination and curiosity and I dove in a little bit and then it was like it was it's so easy it's it's I mean it might be intimidating and sound incredibly nerdy and stuff but it's so simple that um even somebody like I could grasp (laughs) so yeah so it was the curiosity and, and it was in line with our homestead direction. Um, you know, and that was prior to permaculture. We were still kind of doing the homestead thing, and permaculture just kind of brought all those other answers into the, into the fold. Right. Well, I feel like permaculture brings a design uh, system that things like gasification just plug right into. Exactly. Oh, yeah, especially... You know, going back to my talk at PV2, if it's in your context, your biome, and your climate, um, I happen to learn gasification in Temecula, California, probably a place that you would never use gasification because there's no biomass growing there, um, you know, so to speak. It's, it's, it's basically sage and cactus and chaparral. Um, but where we live now, which is a jungle, and... Uh, you know, Northern California or Montana and Seattle, especially places where perhaps the sun doesn't shine too often, like Seattle. Um, something like solar makes a lot less sense when, if you live in an area that's um, doesn't the sun doesn't shine very much and it gets cold during part of the year, um, gasification makes a, a, a lot of sense because you get heat as a byproduct of making electricity and it's renewable. It's solar power in another form. Right. And what's the energy audit on it? Have you, have you run that? Yeah, I've done that in pretty good detail. I mean, because it's, it's like, like one time I called Jeff Lawton, right? I was actually surprised he answered the phone. I was expecting an intern or something. And it was about this idea I had for software because he was talking about climate analogs. And it went in, you know, I was saying, hey, what if you could plan a farm? Because I come from, you know, uh, website development world and programming and all this stuff. So my brain often thinks in things in code. It's just I can't help it. It's like, okay, so you have this entity called the farm. What if you could digitally bring in 25 chickens and you brought in 10 apple trees and, and so on and so forth, and you sort of build your farm like SimCity or Farmville, if you will, could an algorithm sort of spit out potential output with a margin of error? And then Jeff responded something like, well, are those 25 chickens going to behave the same? What's their breed? 
What, you know, <laughs> how much feed do they need? So all of those variables, just like with gasification, it's like, well, what, what kind of biomass do you have? Are you growing bamboo or black locust or, or are you trying to grow algae and dry it? Um, are you in a prairie situation where there's a lot of biomass that is just not woody biomass? Can you tweak, so, can you tweak your gasifier to be biome specific? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked, Matt. Um, our, our gasifier works with charcoal, so any biomass will work as long as it's been pyrolyzed. So turn to charcoal. So if you had, um, let's say, sawdust or... Well, I'll tell you right now, we have a client um, who runs a horse farm in Nebraska. And every day they have 3.5 tons of bedding. So bedding is basically damp and dunged straw and shavings and dung itself and we're going to take that and dry it so evaporate the water off of it run it through a hammer mill so it's all powder and then pelletize it so you have the same size pellets and then from that point you can make charcoal with it and and use that to run the whole farm so there's a case where um you need more machines and you lose a little bit of energy in the preparation of the pellets uh but not much. And at the end of the day, what's well, a waste product um, can now be used to create energy. Of course, they have the camps that'll say, oh, just compost it, put it back to the earth, you know. Um, I'm going, you know, we're living in a biome where we can do both. We have so much in the tropics where there's just, things grow so fast here. Everything's kind of in hyperdrive. I mean, even my little compost pile in the backyard behaves a lot differently than it did in the high desert of Southern California. Ten times faster. I mean, I put something in and it's smoking, you know, within hours. And I'm I'm turning it twice a day just to keep it super aerated. So things grow fast down here. We'll have plenty of um, opportunities to, to make compost or to make charcoal uh, as fuel. And then what, one thing I always talk about is some of that charcoal is going to be too fine and you have to sift it. And those fine particles, which is about 10%, um, sometimes you can get as low as 5 um, what are you gonna, right? Yeah, what are you, you going to do with it? It's, a, it's biochar. It goes back in the compost heap or somewhere else where you can inoculate it with microbial life. And Will the, and ga- could, will the gasifier power the pelletizer machines and for the pellets that power it? Absolutely. And still be able to give you an, uh, a... a, a um, excess of power oh yeah yeah so let's take um for instance if you have just a giant pile of you know ready to burn um let's just let's talk about biomass first because the, the point will be will be the same you have a pile it takes about four to eight percent of that pile based on the density more energy and and denser and biomass to to self-power it so four to eight percent. Now, with the horse farmer um, model that I just painted, he's got a couple other machines besides a wood chipper. He's got a hammer mill it and then pelletize it. So it might be from eight to twelve percent. So you're basically donating, let's just say, ten percent of the pile to go into making the other ninety percent available for other energy needs. Wow, it's almost like tithing. Yeah. <laughs> Tithe back to the earth. 
Mm. Well, nothing's free, right? I mean, Jeff and Bill always have said that nothing is free. We must pay um, to participate in this in the cycles of nature. Um, and I tot- what? I totally agree with that. Absolutely. So, um, so uh, Peely, t- how how have the daughters uh, taken this gasification uh, leap? Have they have they been excited? Have some of them been wary? Do they think it's cool? Do they think it's nerdy? They think it's totally nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> what do they think is cool? I mean, is is anything that like permaculture resonates with them, or are they? I mean. I have boys, uh, and they they really, I mean, they want squirt guns, they want pellet guns, they want Minecraft, they want, you know, yeah. go-karts, they want all the fun stuff, so I totally understand. Well, with my girls, it's, they want princesses, they want beauty, they want art, they want crafts, it's totally different than a boy, um, so you know, they, swimming and things like that, but... When we start talking about gasification, it's like they're excited about the machine, they're excited about the prospect, and they're very proud that their daddy designed it, you know, and Jared built it. But they're more of like, oh, here you go again. You're going to start talking about gasifiers. Oh, I'm a total nerd. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a geek oh. fest, and for them, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I get the eyes rolling, and, you know, if it's not, you know, princess related. Um, I mean, I have to like put a picture of a princess on the gas fire just to get any attention. You know, there might be something there. <laughs> if you could overlap these things, you might be able to reach a lot of young ladies. <laughs> Pink and purple gas fires. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, there you go. If it, if it could be something that they need to recycle cons- consistently, like, uh, like a, a line of... Um, if they could, if they could gas, if they could power something that like their hair dryer with the remnants of their makeup or something, you know. You're onto something. That is okay. I'm gonna put that in the back in the database here because <laughs> I have a question for you, Matt. Okay. So one of the things I struggle with is there are times that I just want to just sit them down and just start teaching. Like, here's why we're doing this. I mean, we do that anyway, but. Again, it's not so forceful. It's just more like comments here and there. And they know why we're here and where we're going, and they're excited about it. They're excited about the animals. Um, But I find that I'm waiting for this future date where things will slow down, and I can sort of go back and and say, now does that make sense that we did that that way? Because gasification is just one of those things. Um, I don't think they really grasp energy or electric bills. Or, or anything in that matter. It's just this big machine that, that daddy's working on and some people are interested in it. But do you find, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but do you find like um, the time is, there's a future date that you can sit down and explain why everything was done a certain way? and Or should I just grasp the notion that it's, the pre- it's all about the present? And it's all about the journey, which I do anyway, but I still feel like there's going to be a point in the future where I'll have the time and I'm not going to be, it's not going to be so hectic and they'll actually be interested in some of this more, 
you know, more of the technical stuff, more of the logistic stuff of starting a farm, starting a starting a market garden of sorts. Do you do you struggle with that too, or is that my own struggle? Well, yeah, yeah. So I would say before I start in that you need to do both those things. You need to what you need to do is you need to teach intensively by example. So you need to do that market garden because they will never forget it. But let me give you an example with all right. So James, he went to public school for a little bit. He went to the preschool for a bit and they prepped him real well. And I was trained as a teacher and I went to lots of different schools and I'm really good at lecturing like my dad <laughs> and my wife. Um, my wife is my balance and she um, has really helped me recognize what I'm doing and I'm badgering and I've and for me unschooling is an opportunity for me to actually allow my son to grow up without that influence in his life and <laughs> it always it's always kind of like whenever I whenever I share personal things they always sound so intense but it's but it's true it was like we lectured in my household because my dad had had a correct way of doing it I never agreed and so I was the third born and so I kind of like went through I would like write things down like starting in elementary school and stuff them in my mattress and I lived this subverted childhood of concealment and it was just awful and so I just felt like I had to like confront that and make that different for my children and when I saw that I was lecturing and I still do it and catch myself and like try to like connect as a as a person would with the understanding that this is a person that I've been given the responsibility to help find their path and they are not mine I don't own them I am a steward of them and it's a, I, I see that as this sacred this sacred thing and so I really want to give complete choice and I think that's why I'm so intense with what I do around the house um, and on the land um, because I want my son to not be like a lot of the boys that I see. I want him to honor women and to honor his wife. And I, I see that in your relationship and man, it makes me so proud to see that and we have to spread that. We have to spread um, that kind of honor. Um, and that kind of real partnership. And so I, I mean, my wife and I are very open about when we disagree with things, um, and we discuss things and then we have the time we open the door and then the kids walk in and then we discuss what we were discussing so they would understand why we were discussing it with such passion. Um, and, and we do discuss things with passion. <laughs> oh, we're no different there. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it, and, and, it, and that's good because that, I mean, our passion, it goes both ways. It can, you know, and it's, it's just important to connect with everything we have. And so I really feel that if you want to teach them anything, you need to slow life down and experience it with them 
and have the presence be have it be so slow that they're aware that you're just there for them in that moment. And my dad actually gave me that as a child. He taught me to ski and he taught me to ski race every single weekend, every winter until I was 15. Uh, and then I started going to boarding school to do it. My dad would drive four hours up to Vermont and four hours down on Sunday. And he gave me this one-on-one -on -one time and this presence and he taught me because I, I was just this motor mouth kid, uh, much like my son, except I didn't have as much direction or wisdom as my son has. And he would just, he gave me that, you know? And I think that's, you know, those, those experiences in my life where I had one-on-one -on -one attention from someone who I respected and listened to and was open to, and they were actually sharing things of value. Um, those are where my actual education where all this memorization stuff kind of is just clutter mm, I agree yeah Peely went to um, private schools the best schools me too her whole life and so it's even more poignant coming from her I mean I'll let her speak for herself but you know I'm, I was just a Southern California normal public school kid you know what is normal but I what I thought was normal but but for her, it was far more intense to get great grades and, and be a, an awesome student. Some of the people that were in her classes were, you know, the sons and daughters of, of politicians and wealthier people. So her parents sacrificed um, a lot of money to put her through private school from day one. And then now we're at this point and we're kind of doing, we're undoing all that. We're unschooling because of what you just said that I mean we're lucky enough to work from home my wife's an architect I'm a, I'm a web guy and if, maybe this will change in a few months or a few years but we can work from home and 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 we're together so that's a mother father um, intact family if you will it's easier than a single mom or a single dad and it's certainly you can't do that if you're if you can't work from home so I, I get it that there's others out there that, that um, might be interested in unschooling or believe in the philosophies behind it, but just can't pull the trigger on it. Um, that's unfortunate. Um, but, you know, maybe the, even that can get changed with there are democratic less of the schools. cubicles. There are democratic schools, actually, where you basically drop your kid off and you pick your kid up and they have complete choice over what they do. And it's basically a habitat for children. That's that's kind of what I want to do with my permaculture homeschool is have um, a forest accessible, or at la or at least some semblance of a forest uh, accessible with you know, like forts and things they can build and climb and hide and have privacy and you know commune with nature and. To just, uh, and I'm going to teach them permaculture and have lessons and have that structure and that schedule, but they won't be, they won't be punished for, for just going and playing or doing art or, and I think if, because not everyone has, like, as you say, has the ability to have both parents at home running a, an independent business and being able to feel like they can answer the questions and enrich their children. Some people feel like their their children 
are asking for things that they can't give and that that's very real and we all make sacrifices as you alluded to but i think that um at a certain point we need to think about how community also can play into this and even and, and, and part of it is, is as you said our community is just starting out what were we saying peely I, I agree with what you both said. I mean, um, you know, having had my elementary school years, my parents, like Troy said, they always sacrificed to try to give me the best school. Uh, I was able and lucky enough, my elementary school years, I went to a German school, school in Mexico City. And the way they taught was so different than traditional schooling because there was a lot of games involved. There was a lot of play. There was a lot of um, rational thinking. Uh, what you said mattered. It counted for something. It had value. It had weight. Uh, your opinions were cherished. You know, there were no grades. There was only, you knew that by the middle of the school year, there would be like an assessment that either you had to worry or, you know. But there was no uh, no pressure. I really enjoyed those years. And wow. then when we moved, it was traditional schooling where you have to be stressed over the grades. And I just dreaded that. You know, I I really enjoyed and, and the pressure from your parents to, to have the best grades and to be in the honor roll and to... Um, I don't want my children to have to stress over that. I was telling Troy the other day, my sister, who is almost 13 years younger than me, was celebrating her fifth year, and I was in high school. And instead of spending my time with her celebrating her birthday, I was locked in my room studying for a chemistry uh, exam that was like the whole semester exam. And, and That's not right. You miss a lot of us. And I don't think it's right, you know, and when you're in college, you're studying, at least in Mexico, it's different than in the U.S. When you go to the university, you already know what you're going to study. Like, if you're going to study architecture, all your, all your, everything you're learning is geared to becoming an architect, you know? And there's no uh, minors or major studying. It's, you're going to be a doctor, you take medicine, biology, and all these things. You study architecture, you take structure, construction, design, and... When, when it's your choice, you, you take your classes or, or you enjoy them more. And when I was a teenager, I just really struggled. I struggled. I didn't like the kids in my school. They were... I, I don't want that for my kids. I want them to have that choice. I want them to, uh, to know and really express what they like, what they don't like. I, my grandma was a very big figure in my life. I, we lived next to her. and. She always listened to me, like, she never spoke to me as a child. Like, oh, you're so cute, and blah, 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 you know? There was never that. Everything I said mattered. I felt like I could tell her anything, and she trusted things in me as a child that maybe she shouldn't have, you know, like family secrets and all these things that I'm not going to disclose. But, <laughs> but she talked to me like, like not like an adult, but like a friend that she could trust. And I never broke that trust because I never felt like it was in my place, place to do so, you know? Absolutely. And I really, I really cherished those moments. I, I always gravitated towards adults. 
and I was lucky in that regard that a lot of the adults um, allowed me to be around them and, and follow them and learn from them. I really enjoy that. And that's something that my girls are able to do. They, they're they able to be with older older people and com- have conversations or younger kids. And one of, that's one of the things I really enjoy about the unschooling part. I agree. It's it, it. I think the joy and the happiness that comes uh, when you see them following their passions and realizing that they are the gas in their life. They are the thing that pushes themselves, and we are their support, and we are there to help them. But they are the engine, and so it, I mean that that seeing them rely upon themselves, seeing them become more self-reliant is such a beautiful thing. I want to thank you so much, Troy and Pilar Martz, for coming on and talking about unschooling, and gasification, and your family. And I wish you the best of luck with your move. And I, I wish you a food forest that is more plentiful than you can handle. And you're going to have to juice and freeze things like crazy. Yes. <laughs> I wish you all these things. Matt, thank you so much for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. Love what you're doing. Just, uh, just thank you. Thank you for giving us the platform to to talk to you and to your audience. And thank you for being a friend. Yeah, I really love. I really love how Permaculture Voices, the uh, the PB two, the conference, was like a meeting of old friends that you had never met and it was really it was really special and i was i wish that i wish that your kids had been there and i wish that my wife and my other child had been there so maybe next year maybe next year thanks matt all right thank you thank you have a good night good night you too bye Thank you for listening to Permaculture tonight. I hope we were able to provide some things for you to think about. Have a good week.